Okay, y'all. Um, we can circle back up and get started. Would anyone um, want to share? Have y'all? You, I know that first one is a is a personal question, but um, for that second one, has anyone felt like Job's friends when you're trying to comfort someone else? What what made you feel that way, or why? What was the situation that made you feel that way? Why did you feel inadequate in your attempt to give help that ended up being less than helpful? Would anyone be willing to share that last one? Yeah. 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 So you're giving it your best shot, right? But you, yeah. Yeah. Right. You don't know if you're, if it's, if you feel like you're in the dark then, and they don't always know what, how to ask for what they need either, right? When they're going through a hard time. So yeah. Anybody else want to share on that one? Have you ever felt like Job's friends? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this would be the thing, and then it fell flat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we are going to go ahead and, and jump in, because it sounds like we're on the same page, right? Because I felt like Job's friends, too. And... Sometimes I don't even know how to answer the first question of how do I want to be comforted during a hard time. I'm 30, and it's taken me till about now to be able to answer that question with even a little bit of confidence, right? That's kind of a hard question. And so um, can we, first of all, um, this is my friend Jenny Perkins-Kaiser. Can we welcome Jenny? <laughs> um, and so Jenny is the pastor at Covenant Baptist, um, which is like 30, 35 minutes north of here. Um, and she's also a chaplain at University Hospital. And her and Blaze have just like run into each other in the hallway before. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and she does both of those things. And you can say, how do you do that? Well, but um, anyway, we met at a monastery in Alabama, which is right. a fun fact. Um, so we were in a mentoring cohort together for women in ministry, and we went on a little retreat to a monastery in Alabama. And that is where we met. And we yes. said, oh my gosh, we're both in San Antonio. We should probably know each other. And so um, Jenny is awesome, and um, her church is amazing, and I love going out there to be with them. And so I'm fine. It took us a long time to get you here, here know, because things have been yes, crazy. Because you always say yes for me. For sure. <laughs> um, so thank you for being here. Yes. Um, and so you can speak to this at a few different yeah. levels. Yeah, but sure. um, anyway, so help us get to know you a little bit. Tell us about your church, your work at Covenant, and your work at university, um, and how you got into yeah. both of those things. Yes, That's yeah. So I'm, um, well, I'm a second career pastor, so I um, actually was a special education teacher for, for years and stayed home with kids for some years, and um, when I went to seminary, I initially started intending to be a hospital chaplain, and then as I got into seminary more, and I had not really um, grown up as a part of a faith tradition that, aff- that affirmed women in ministry, so I didn't have much model for like what that could look like and what that could be, and so as I went through seminary, I was like, oh, I kind of like doing this other stuff too, and so when seminary finished, I um, still knew I needed and wanted to um, 
to do what I needed to do for chaplaincy. And so for to be like a, a hospital chaplain in particular, um, some other like hospice chaplains and other organizations have different um, expectations. But to be a hospital chaplain, you need to have like a master's of divinity and have gone to seminary. And then you also do something called a, like a residency, but it's in clinical pastoral education. And it's a year long um, education experience. It's like where you're about one third education and about two thirds clinical work in a, in a hospital. And so I went ahead and I did that, and it was really um, just an incredible experience. And, but afterwards, I just remember, and even towards the end of seminary, thinking, like, I really, I just want to do both these things. <laughs> and I don't know, like, how am I going to ever choose, and what am I going to ever do? And so I just am always continuing, even, you know, this was probably, I've been at Covenant Baptist for um, a little over three years and um, have been doing chaplaincy post CPE for about that same time too, but continue to be grateful that I get to do both. And so Covenant is a small little Baptist church um, and um, they, it's a part-time job and it's very much a part-time job. They're not very programmatic. We have zero things planned in February. <laughs> I mean, we have, we'll be at church on Sunday, but that is it. That's just not the way we roll. And so that being said, I can manage to like, I'm the only employee there. And so I, you know, a pastor, we play, we have wonderful worship every Sunday and that's what we do. Um, and we do it well. And then everybody does their things in their own lives during the week. Um, so that, that does afford me the opportunity to be at University Hospital and I'm a chaplain there and I work four days a week um, there. And so I am just so grateful that I get to do both the things that I love when I thought I'd have to choose. Yeah. So, and they really, um, they really complement each other well and um, keep perspective well of like the real hard things that go on in life. And sometimes churches can get tied up in things that aren't really important. And so to be in a place where the really big and important things happen in life during the week and then come to church on Sunday is just, um, is a really nice balance. Yeah. And that I'm glad it's a balance to you that to me, and I had never considered chaplaincy, but I was like, how do you do that all week? Yeah. <laughs> and then you come to church on Sunday and uh -huh. they have their own stuff that they've mm -hmm. gone through all week. You know, that's, yeah. that's challenging. And yeah, it can be. I mean, there is, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's an there. It's just an interesting little church, and Megan's been there, and she's preached for me a few times, and they love her there. So, because um, I am part time, I preach. I take off one Sunday a month. So, Megan's been gracious to come and do and help me out there. Um, and uh, but they just are. Um, they're just real easy, and they're just real laid back, and they value what I work do there, which yeah. I think is the most important thing, yeah. is that they value my work at the hospital, and so they they know that part of how they support me as their pastor is, like, supporting me in that work, and mm -hmm. and so yeah. I'm grateful that they don't get worked up about silly little things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's really good, and that's what... Um, you know, we did strategic planning in this room our first week back at Midweek in the City. We did a little miniature version of that, um, and one of the things that we talked about was something that I see happening at Covenant at, at your church is we talked about we're already pretty good at supporting one another and being good friends to one another. And that's part of singles ministry, right, is that and I had never seen in my life until I started at this church in the singles ministry was the level of friendship that one can have, right, that y'all are such good friends to each other. Um, and I've seen that. And at Covenant. Um, yeah. I've witnessed that, yeah, they do that them well. just be mm -hmm. really good mm -hmm. friends to one another. Mm -hmm. um, and in that way, that's part of why I wanted to talk about this tonight is because 
um, that came up at our little strategic planning session of we want to be better friends to one another. We want to learn how to support each other better. Um, and this is one of those ways that we can do that. Um, because in our day in and day out, we're pretty good at that. And then when something happens, you know, when the bomb drops, when the other shoe, you know, when these kinds of things happen, it's hard to know what to do. Um, and full disclosure, this was all kind of the Lord's timing, not kind of, it was the Lord's timing. <laughs> um, we're going through our own grief right now in Blaze and I's family. And um, so this was well-timed might be sensitive for us, but this was a well-timed conversation because we are navigating our own grief after a passing in our family. And um, I was talking to one of Blaze's aunts, and it was really funny, actually. Two days ago, she said, maybe we could have a conversation about grief. And I was like, well, we're having that conversation on Wednesday, so I can take what we learn here, and then <laughs> we can talk about it. Um, but so let's go ahead and get started. Um, when we experience grief. I often end up thinking internally, like, am I doing this right? Am I supposed to be feeling this or that? Or am I allowed to experience happiness even while I'm in grief, right? Am, am I doing this right, right? Because um, you don't prepare to grieve, right. right? It always right. kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, so what would you say to folks who are asking that question or who have asked that question, am I doing this right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's certainly something I, I hear in the hospital or I like preempt, like immediately say, there's not a right way to do this. You know, when you see people and they kind of are like, what, I don't know what to do. There's not, there's not, a, there's not a right way to do this. There's not a rule book on this. I mean, we don't want to like hurt anybody. I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of it. Like just don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt somebody else. Other than that, um, there's not, there's not a right way to do this or wrong, you know, there's again, there's a few wrong ways, but mostly there's not a wrong way to do this. But I think that what is the most important is that is that you that you do it <laughs> that you that yeah. you actually do the grief and you feel the things and you allow yourself to like feel them in whichever whatever way feels appropriate at that time you know and so sometimes that looks like crying and you know other times that looks like being really mad and other times that looks like like you know getting out and exercising and or talking to a friend or not talking to anybody um yeah. and then the other big thing yeah is that is giving yourself that permission to to feel more than one thing at once. That's always okay in everything in life. I mean, we always are holding holding multiple feelings. And so, you know, we'll be, as I'm preparing a family and like the, they know that the end is coming and they're kind of doing some transitioning medically to get that person comfortable and ready ready for death that, you know, giving, I give families a lot of permission to, it's okay if you laugh during this time. Like they're not, you're not doing anything wrong if you're, if you're laughing and if you're sharing stories and, 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 um, you know, that I, another thing I tell families a lot as well is like, you want, I, I want this per, you want this person's death to be like authentic to their life. You know, and so if I come in as a chaplain and that person wasn't religious, I was like, don't go make it religious because of me. Like, you know, who were they? You know, what did, what kind of music did they like to listen to? Let's put that on, you know, let's tell, you know, tell all the stories of, about their life or, um, and, and allowing that to, to, to live in those places. And, and you're laughing one minute and you're crying one minute and it's going to continue, continue to be that way as, as you move through your grief. And as you learn to like, I mean, there's, there's elements of grief that, that are always going to be with you. And so it's more about kind of figuring out ways to, to honor it and to, to allow yourself space to have it. Even if you're like, it's been a year, why am I still, you know, why am I still upset about it? And that, no, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's good. Cause that's, 
Um, we've all, or I think a lot of us have probably experienced that, like, obviously I'm supposed to feel sad mm-hmm. or upset, mm-hmm. and then there is a moment of, of levity or of, of laughter mm-hmm. or of those kind of things, and you, halfway through, you're like, well, was I allowed yeah. to do that? You, know? <laughs> okay. you almost catch yourself and you mm-hmm. think, is that irreverent or is that, mm-hmm. you know, wrong in some way? But, like you said, their life should be, and their death yes, should right. look similar. Right, yeah, I love right. that. Um, so continue with that thought. Um, how can we try to grieve well? Are there like practices or tools that can help us do that? Obviously we know it's going to look different for everyone, Mm -hmm. but if we're saying, okay, I want to go through this experience well, go through it with the Lord, you know, what Mm -hmm. are some practices or tools to help us do that well? Um, I mean, like, yeah, it is going to be, it's going to be different for everyone. I think, um, I think one of the best things is, is kind of the work before, before grief is, is really knowing yourself and some self-awareness about, um, knowing how you manage things. Well, what does it look like when I feel like, and one of the things actually we like ask people when we're interviewing in our chaplain department is like, how will, how will we know when you're stressed out? What does it look like when you're when you've reached your point and how can we as colleagues like know that so that way then we can you know if we need to step in and be like hey you need a break or whatever and so I think having sort of self-awareness even ahead of time you know or in 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 knowing um, knowing what it looks like when things start to feel like you're reaching your breaking point and knowing what it what it looks like and what are the things that you do when when yeah you're when you're very stressed or you don't feel like you're functioning well in your job or in your relationships because it's 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 sort of like it's okay that those things are going to happen that you're going to you're going to have these moments where you're like I think I need to like call it in for a week and I've got to do this because it what's going to where it gets problematic is when you fight against that you know mm-hmm. and when you don't just allow yourself to um to step back if you need to step back or to push in if you need to push in. And that comes with self-awareness, which is, can be hard work because it's just, it's hard to, to really look at ourselves sometimes and yeah. see, see us for the fullness of who we are. And then the other, the other thing, and this is, is just always having permission to, to feel the things you need to feel and not, and, and it's okay. It's okay to feel, you know, we, a lot of, um, we, I know we see a lot in the hospital, especially like from, the health, on the healthcare side team, and you know, I mean, how often I give nurses and physicians permission for this to be sad. You know, it's like I know I'm not supposed to cry, and I'm like, well, you are a human being, and this is a sad thing. So actually, <laughs> let's just have that cry, you know. And you don't want to obviously like go into a patient's room and like be bawling, and they're trying to comfort you. Like that's not okay, and that's not okay with your friends too. I would say too, like if your friend is going through something and they're in their own grief, and you come in and you're like, I know this is so hard like it's okay to feel sad for them but you do have to manage that part but um <laughs> you know that it, just uh, giving yourself permission to to I feel really mad right now okay I'm gonna I'm just gonna be mad you know and what is what are some healthy ways that I can be mad right now and and recognize that all of those are part of the human experience and all of those are part of the experience of grief and loss and just the more that you push against it and fight against it the the worse it's going to be the worse it's going to be and so yeah. just in those moments like being able to like know within your body and within yourself what you're feeling and then giving yourself permission to to feel that in a in a good and healthy way yeah yeah that's awesome that's i find too there's times when i'm like okay i'm feeling this emotion that i know mm-hmm. i should allow mm-hmm. but for one reason or another, either it doesn't feel like a space where 
I can emote well, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, or, yeah. um, or I straight up just don't feel like dealing with mm -hmm. that emotion. Mm -hmm. Right. That's yeah. always the, the hard thing. Yeah. And I think and sometimes too, like we'll, we'll tell, like, uh, tell like the, the care team, the medical team too, will say like, I know you have work to do, you know, and that's kind of always going to be their defense is going to be like, but I got to go save this next life. Absolutely. You do. But like, I want you to hold on to that because when you get home, then I want you to give yourself permission to do that. And so yeah. there's going to be times I think in all of our lives where you're, where you are like, it's overcoming me right now, but now is not the time, but I'm going to like schedule a time, you know, I'm like, yeah. you know, yeah. we'll be like set, you know, like when you get in the car, like set a reminder that says, okay, feel it now, like <laughs> cry the cries, you know, feel that whatever it is you need to feel, be mad, be, you know, yeah. call, call somebody, whatever it is that you need. But, um, um, you, there is a need sometimes to suppress that because it's not appropriate at that time, and, yeah. and there's things that has that have to get done sometimes. But then, then make note of that and say, okay, but I, I, like I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself space to feel it yeah. later. So don't suppress yeah. it forever. But if you need to for a while, then then obviously that's a good life skill too, is to kind of figure out how to push through that, and then giving yourself permission then later to yeah. to do that work. Yeah. That's, so. I promise this connects. One of my favorite quotes from Harry Potter is, um, I have the emotional range of a teaspoon. <laughs> and this is Ron Weasley, or really Hermione Granger says this to Ron Weasley. You have the emotional range of a teaspoon, right? And sometimes I feel that way about myself. I'm not one of these people that has this wide emotive experience, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I love that you were talking about, you can almost schedule some of those sure, things if that's what you need, yeah. right? Because that idea of, you know what, no, I need to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to deal with it when I know that I can mm -hmm. do that well. Mm -hmm. um, if that sounds robotic to y'all, then I'm a robot, but that's, that is helpful yeah, to me. for some people, to, I think it really is, especially yeah. people who function kind of in that way. Yeah. You know, there's, some, there's other people that, like, no, that's not going to work. Like, I've got, if I'm going to cry, I'm going to have to cry right now, and it's going to be ugly, <laughs> and it's going to be big, and it's going to be, like, everybody's going to know about it, and, and that's okay, too. You know, yeah. like, we're all yeah. so different. And, and I, you know, again, like, their little quote about the emotional, like... <laughs> I think there is sort of like, then we get stuck in that, like, oh, I think I'm supposed to feel more. Like, am I supposed to be crying? Am I supposed to be yeah. crying more? It's okay if you're not crying too. It's, oh, that's, that's, it's yeah. all right too. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, and I've, I've heard in, in different ways that there are different kinds of grief, mm -hmm. right? And we could unpack that a little bit. Help us understand more complex experiences with grief and how we might handle those times well too, right? There's times where, yeah. um, like in our family, there was a, a death of a loved one that we, for the most part, saw coming, yeah, right? And so that's uh -huh. kind of, we were as roughly prepared for that as mm -hmm. we could be. Mm -hmm. But there are different kinds of grief. Yeah, so absolutely. would you walk us through some of those and then yeah. how do we approach that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, grief certainly is um, is complex um, and, and sometimes more complex than others. I mean, you think yeah. of times like um, a real complex grief is like when your abusive father dies. Yeah. Well, what am I grieving? You know, like that's real. And you have lost your father, but also he was terrible to you. And also yeah. now there's the loss of like, oh, wow, I never had a good father. And now it's definitely gone. Like there's no hope that he's going to turn into a good father because now he's dead. 
And so that's that's like complex grief there, you know, I mean, because yeah. you've got your you are grieving the loss of a father. You're grieving the loss of what a father could have been that now you're never going to get. And you're also feeling really bad about the fact in some ways you're kind of glad he's dead because he was really terrible and he was really yeah. terrible to you. And um, and that can look like lots of different ways. I mean, that's yeah. kind of an extreme example, but that's certainly a real a real live example of things that happen and that people have to deal with. Um, and so, yeah, grief, grief has all these different, um, complex. I was talking to a woman the other day who was like, you know, losing her 50 year old something twin sister, you know? And I was like, you know, and, and I think that like, as we are with people in grief, like honoring and recognizing, like, I see that this, like, I don't know what it's like to be a twin, but I think it's like, I've heard it's a big deal. Like, you know, there's a very, very, very special connection there. And so for me to be able to say, I, I can see that this is probably a really hard thing for you. A lot of people lose their sisters, but not a lot of people lose their twin sister. And, and how meaningful it was for her just like for yeah. that complexity of her grief to be named and to be, to be honored and to, for her to um, kind of be like, yeah, you're right. Like, yes, thank you. Thank you for seeing that, you know? Um, yeah. But, um, so when we think about grief, we think about, um, like, I'm going to, I'm going to couch it more in terms of loss and we're talking about different types of grief. So really like if we want to think about it in different types of loss and, um, because we tend to think, of course, the, like so much about death is what we think about. Like these are things to grieve and this is a big loss and absolutely it is, but there's lots of things, there's lots of loss and there's lots of loss that, um, that, that you need to still grieve and, and, and be sad about. And, um, part of the problem I think when we don't honor like the multitude of losses that we can have is is that it ends up catching up with us bigger because it's like oh we're not supposed to be sad about this thing like the person didn't die you know I just whatever that and then we just suppress it and suppress it instead of just saying like well that well actually that was really hard so there's there's like a material loss that's something you can think of and that I think that's the one that the people people can have the hardest time like honoring their the sadness that they feel about a material loss because you're like I shouldn't be sad about it. Like it was just a thing. It was, yes, it was just a thing, but it was like, you know, your grandmother's wedding ring and like that had a lot of significance and a lot of meaning to you for you. And, um, it was, and so you don't, you push it off and you just push it off. Like again, like there's all these terrible things happening. I can't be sad about my grandmother's wedding ring. Yeah, you can actually. And, 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 and spend some time thinking about your grandmother and about what she meant to you and why that ring was so special and, and honoring that loss of, of a material thing. You think about like, um, little kids, you know, they, I mean, that's kind of like the first loss they experience is when they, you know, lose a beloved toy or something, but we continue to experience material losses. Um, the other one was is like a relationship loss, which can look like a relationship loss because of death, but it also can look like because of a divorce or because of a breakup or because of a move. Um, but that that one is, you know, again, I feel like more something we, we generally think of. Um, there's also like um, the loss of potential, like the loss of a dream, the loss yeah. of like what could have been that like you might hit something in your life and you realize like, Man, I had this dream for so long that this is what I was gonna. I was gonna go to medical school, and I knew I was gonna be a doctor. And then you apply, and you don't get in. And then the next year you apply, get you know, and you go and you try, and you take. And at some point, it's like I'm not gonna be that. And you think I just gotta, you know, whatever, pull myself up by the bootstraps and get yeah. going. And you don't honor that that loss of what could have been or what might have been or whatever that dream was. Yeah. Um, 
There's also like a functional loss, um, and I was thinking about this with like the work that Blaze does, um, that you know the loss of something that within yourself that you used to be able to do, like it might be the loss of a limb or like something like neurologically, you know that and and I see that a lot in those spaces as I know um, Blaze does too. That like people think like, but I'm I should be so grateful because I didn't die. I didn't die. I'm still alive. May, right, but you also like lost a leg and so like we need to talk about that and grieve that loss or whatever it is some ability that you had and so there is a functional loss and then there's like a role loss maybe you retire when you retire or you even if you get promoted and you're like this is supposed to be so great but then you're like, kind of like I don't know but yeah. I feel kind of weird like I'm, I miss the people I used to work with or I miss the camaraderie you have and now I'm um now I'm the boss and so um kind of Again, honoring that as a loss, and then also like a systemic, like you like losing a, a system or a systemic loss. You think about this, especially like when kids go to college, maybe, and like so you had you were part of this system and you functioned within this system, and then you you leave that system for whatever reason, and and that's and that is that is a loss, and that's a loss that's like allowed to be grieved. And so I think that like broadening our view of like what loss is and then yeah. um, giving ourselves permission and giving our friends and our loved ones permission to grieve those losses is really, really important work. And yeah. I think that like that we all feel like it's okay to grieve the loss, the death and the loss of a loved one. But I don't know that we always feel like it's okay to grieve some of these other losses. And again, I, I think that the detriment of keeping that and not allowing ourselves to, to experience yeah. that grief it just can be very costly on our yeah. on our mental health and on our well-being. Yeah, and that's I like calling that, you know, having a name for that. I think is helpful because you can. It's easy to, and this group is good, especially if someone has lost a pet. I feel like yes, this group is really good at yeah. taking that really seriously because yeah. we've been through that together. But you could easily say, well, it, it was a dog, or you know, yeah, and right. now y'all know I love my dog, right? I would, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will not be coming to work for a long time after that. But you know there's things that we could easily tell ourselves, you know, talk ourselves out of Mm -hmm. being sad for that thing, but giving it a name and saying, this is a kind of loss that I'm experiencing sort of, um, I don't know, justifies it in some way. Um, this is a complex form of grief and and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really freeing to have somebody say, no, no, you are supposed to feel sad about that. Or you can yeah, feel sad about yeah. that. You know? <laughs> and what's so great about these conversations is because then, like, like I want to be like, and I give you permission to tell you all your friends that. You know, so when, you, when your friend's like, oh, my cat died this weekend, but it's fine, it's fine for you to say, no, it's not fine, actually. It's not fine at all. Your cat died. And this is, what was her name? And, like, what are you going to miss about her? And what are you going to, you know? And I think, too, that we have this, like, fear that, like, we shouldn't talk, like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. It's going to make them more sad. Well, I mean, yeah. it is because it, it's sad. So, of course, it's going to make them sad because it is sad. You know, but, but honoring both, like, their loss and also, like, finding ways to honor whatever it was that, that they lost is, yeah. is, is being a really good friend. And it can feel uncomfortable and weird sometimes, but you're being a really great friend by doing that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times in grief, and I'm sure you've had conversations like this a lot at a hospital, but um, we reach a point where we feel angry with God. Right. Or and depending on, you know, maybe not every time we go through a loss, but at one point or another, um, whether it's for a loss or for some other reason, we ha- we reach a point where we are like, OK, Lord, I have some questions here, you yeah. know, and, and mm-hmm. there's some anger there. 
Um, Because we know that God is sovereign, right? So that brings the question, why would God allow this Mm -hmm. to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I heard someone recently say, you know, Job was really good. We're going to talk a lot about Job tonight. Um, Mm -hmm. Job was really good at being angry at God Mm -hmm. with God. He was, yeah. Um, And God never got mad at him about that. Right. Like, never. The only person God, people got got mad at was his friends. He never got mad at Job, and Job was yelling and... (laughs) Ready yeah. to take him to court, right? And, and God was like, "Fine, I'll yeah. win, but okay." <laughs> and that's right, yeah. Um, so, how can we allow that? Because obviously, God saw that experience in Job, and He wasn't upset Mm-mm, that no. Job was angry with I mean, Him. So, yeah. how can we experience that and allow us to not have that pull us away from the right. Lord, but draw right. us closer to Him and yeah. a Job-like experience? Yeah. I mean, one thing I remind, I like to remind people all the time is if like you're mad at God, that means you really, you really trust, like you trust, that's a, that's a big trust thing. You don't get real mad at people that you don't um, trust and that you don't have faith in and don't have faith that they're still going to love you after, even after you've been real mad at them. And if you did not believe that God could do what God says he can do, then you wouldn't be mad at them. Why you're mad is because you're like, I, why aren't you acting like the, like, like who I thought that you were? Why aren't you acting? And so, um. It takes a very high degree of faith, I think, to be angry at God, and it takes a. It also it takes somebody who has a high view of who God is and what God is capable of doing, to even feel angry that that God's not doing it in that moment. And so I do like to remind people when they're having that those moments of anger of like, wow, what a sign of faith that is! Mm-hmm. What a sign of faith that is that you feel mad about this right now. Um, and then also just being like, well, of course you're mad. I mean, of course, you're, this is a terrible thing that's happened to you, you know, and, and, and you know what, if anybody can handle our anger, it's, it's God, it's yeah. God. And that, you know, that, um, kind of allowing themselves to like enter into a, a relationship with God that like is safe enough to handle our anger yeah. and, and trusting God enough to know that God can handle our anger and, um, yeah. And again, just reminding people that like when you feel angry at God, it's, it's because it's because you expect more of him you yeah. know, and you want more from him. But, but that, because of that, you know, that's showing such a high, a high degree of faith. And so I think all of giving those, those permissions to just mm-hmm. feel it and, and to know that God is with us in it. And, and again, I do, I think about that, about Job all the time. I'm like, yeah, Job yelled all the time and God never got mad at Job about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and that's why I want us to move to that other part of this whole thing, too, is when it's not us that's going through the, the grief, but mm-hmm. somebody near us. Um, because I recently, someone, I don't even remember what the situation was, but I sent a text that said, I'm so sorry, I'm here if you need anything. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that just yeah, feels yeah, so, so lame. Blame, you know. And, yeah. and sometimes that's all you know to say, Mm -hmm. right? Or you don't feel like you have enough of a relationship with that person Mm -hmm. to say more. But every time I send something like that or say something like that, I'm like, it just feels like the air going out of a balloon. You know, it doesn't feel like enough. Um, And so, but you also don't want to say the wrong thing and be like Job's friends and over communicate your thoughts. Um, So what are some things to keep in mind as we're walking through um, as a friend is walking through grief and we're trying to walk alongside them, right. what are some things that we can do to do that well? Well, the thing and like think about Job and Job's friends is that actually for a week, Job's friends were amazing. 
Yeah. They were, and we forget that part. For a week, they were top-notch friends. And you know what they did? Nothing. They sat, they didn't, they did actually did something. They said nothing. And they went mm -hmm. and they put on their sackcloth and they put on the ashes and they just mm -hmm. cried with him and they sat with him and they didn't try and explain anything and they said nothing for a week and they were the best of friends. And yeah. then they were like, well, this doesn't feel like enough. And so then they, then they started saying too much, and that's when things got bad. So yeah. when we're speaking to Job's friends, we need to, like, take what we need to do is shut up. <laughs> so I was even thinking about you when you said, I just don't know what, and I just feel like I'm not doing anything. I'm like, actually, good job, you know, yeah. because typically when we get ourselves into trouble and do, like, the wrong thing for a friend is when we, are, we try too hard, and we try mm -hmm. and explain things that cannot be explained. They just, there are things in life that like don't have an answer and are not easy and cannot be explained. And we try and explain them and that's when things get bad. And that's when we kind of mess things up. And so really like the, le the less is more is definitely good. And just, um, but saying, I see, I see what you're going through right now. And I wish I could fix it. And I wish that there was something that I could say to make it better, but there's nothing I can say to make this better right now. But I'm with you in it. I'm with you in it. And I want you to know that I see you and, I, and I'm with you and I love you and I'm so sorry. You know, all those, those kinds of things are all good, but you really can't. I mean, I, there's nothing I can say that makes, to say to a mother who lost her child that's gonna make it better. There's nothing I can say. Anything I say is probably going to make it worse, except for to say that this is so, so sad, and I am so sorry you're going through this, and I can't do anything about it, but I can be here with you, and, I can, and there is power in like be being willing to bear witness to somebody's yeah. grief and being willing to stay in a really hard place with somebody. <sighs> That's really powerful. And that's what Job's yeah. friends did for a week, you know, and they, and that was commendable and that was good. And so just being willing, it's uncomfortable to be with people when they're crying. I mean, it is, it is, it's, it's uncomfortable, especially if it's somebody that you know and love and you're like, I don't want to watch them. Like I love them and I don't want to watch them sad, but being a good friend is being like, I will sit here while you cry. And I'll just sit here. There's a great um, move. When I, I did a sermon, the sermon series on Job and I showed, um, showed a clip, one of my favorite clips, and it's from this really weird movie that is, also has some inappropriate things, <laughs> but it's called Lars and the Real Girl. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen Lars no. and the Real Girl. So, and there is this point in there, and so this, um, who's the main actor? He's so famous now, too, like, oh, it was the guy who was, no, it was, um, it was Ryan Gosling, right? No, yeah, it was one of those types. <laughs> That generation of, I don't know, of like pretty white guy. Um, so really early on in his career. And he is, um, he lives in this really small town. And he um, he doesn't really know how to be in relationships. And he's pretty, is it Ryan Gosling? Did you look at the front? Okay, good. Good. It was Ryan Gosling. So, and he doesn't really know how to be in relationships well and has, you know, some some social deficits, if you will. And so he, he be he falls in love with and 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 humanize personifies this blow-up doll, which we know what blow sometimes are for inappropriate things, but that becomes a very important person to him. <laughs> and he loves her and she and that little town, oh my gosh, they are precious. And they are like, Well, nice to meet you, Christina, or whatever her name is. And they welcome her in and they honor this relationship. And then the way that he um, <laughs> 
finds this way in his mind for that relationship to end is by she gets really sick and she dies. And so this inflatable doll is like dying in a bed, supposedly. And those little old ladies from that town, they come to his house and they bring him casseroles. And he he kind of, there's this, the scene that I showed at church was like, you see him kind of going through the line of casseroles as you do, you know, and he comes and he sits and the little ladies are knitting and they're, you know, whatever. And he was like, well, I don't, you know, what do... I don't know what to do. And she, they said, well, this is what we do. We come and we sit. And we bring, you know, we, it's like we bring lasagna and we nip and we sit. And they just sat there with him. And I was like, that is, yeah. there they are. There That's they awesome. are, you know. And it's like, you, you know, you want to you wanna drop the food off and run. And sometimes that is the right thing to do. But, you know, these little ladies that even this loss that seems so silly, but it was a big deal for him. They brought him the casseroles and they brought their little knitting needles. And they just, this is what we do. We just, we sit here. We sit here with you. We yeah. tell you to go eat, you know. Yeah. That's awesome. That's and that's what we talk a lot about um, in in seminary and those kind of things. We talk about the ministry of presence, and yeah. um, and just being there. And that's exactly what Job's friends did for that first week yeah. when they were rock stars, right? They just mm-hmm. being present with somebody mm-hmm. without words um, mm-hmm. is hugely significant, right? It's when yeah, it's when that didn't feel like enough anymore. Yeah that things went south, mm-hmm. right? But um, that's what I found a lot lately. When I'm on the receiving end of these things, someone just being there or mm-hmm. like when my grandma passed, you know, she had, her world had become smaller and smaller, right? Yeah. So I was like, is anyone going to come to this funeral? You know, that was mm-hmm. the concern for, mm-hmm. for us was no one's seen her in a long time because mm-hmm. her she had become disabled and all these things. And then people did come and that was so hugely significant to my mm-hmm. family because it was unexpected, right? Just someone saying, someone could have easily said, well, they wouldn't notice if I was there or not. Yeah. They, they're going to be distracted. They, they won't notice that mm-hmm. I'm there and talk themselves out of going to the funeral. But it was so meaningful that every single person in the room was there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, it's easy to forget that we've mm-hmm. at, at this church, um, Poor sweet Pastor Chris, we've had more f- like back to back to back to back to back funerals mm-hmm. than um, I think we've ever had. Um, our former administrative assistant for him, Dawn, said she's worked here for 36 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was the most she had ever seen. Wow. Right, and as a staff, we were talking about it. To it's easy for us who are, you know, doing a reading at the funeral or mm-hmm. helping them plan to say. Well, another day, another funeral, right? right and to, right. to become um, yeah. unfeeling about it. Mm-hmm. But for that family, it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for them to have that loss, mm-hmm. right? And we can't underestimate the power of just being present with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just huge. Yeah. And I will then, say one little side thing that yeah. I want to acknowledge is like, I understand that some people are like, I really don't want anybody around me. You know, like yeah. there's not, not everybody wants presence or loves presence. And so I think also yeah. being the friend that says, you tell me like, you're not going to hurt my feelings when you tell me to get out of here. You know, yeah. like no love, lo- you know, like we, we are good. We are good. And I give you permission to like, you know, be rude right now. If you're like, get just, I can't do this right now. And I need you to leave. Like, that's fine. And yeah. so, like, giving people yeah. permission also to, like, to, you know, like, I'm going to be here and I'm going to witness this and, and um, you know, try and be good yourself about reading a room. But, you know, also give, giving people permission to, yeah. to, to say, like, thank you, but I, 
I really don't want you here. And you being to say like, okay, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. That's good. That's you don't good. want them worrying about hurting you when they're in their own, <laughs> yeah, their own grief. Yeah. Um, and so finally too, cause I want us to, uh, get to some Q and a too, if there's any, um, as a chaplain, you've probably seen like the full gamut of yes. <laughs> the experience of, of grief. Until and, like I haven't, I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm sure you've seen things that, um, that were helpful to folks that were going through mm-hmm. that grief process and things mm-hmm. that were exceptionally unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with that one. Have, what have you seen that was just really unhelpful? What are some things that it's we can always, learn from? It's always something someone says. Yeah. It's always, always something someone says. Um, um, and it's, it's people trying to explain the unexplainable. Yeah. And, and we just, we can't. We can't, we can't, and so don't, don't even try. And like, God doesn't need another angel. Like, God's good, and so when somebody's baby dies, like, it's not because God needed another angel. And um, that can be really, really hard for like a mother to hear when she's going through the loss of a child that like, wait, God did this because, because he needed another angel? Like, this is my child, you know, and I I would like them here. And, um, and, and I think honestly, like the, the most harm is, and it made this, in all fairness, this is probably, I would say this because of the lens that I'm looking through it, you know, as a spiritual care provider. But to me, the most harmful stuff is the stuff that we try and, ex- when we try and explain God in the midst of that, you know, and, um, I, you know, I know God is with us in the midst of, of everything. Um, but I'm certainly not going to try and, and try and explain this this thing in life that is that is unexplainable and i'm not even going to try to explain god what is it who was it augustine augustine mm-hmm. who said like the minute you th- i mean he didn't he was like from the whatever 15th century so he didn't say it this way but basically it's like <laughs> the minute that you try and think you can explain god it's not god you know like mm-hmm. the yeah. moment that you tr- that you are like i've got it you don't have it actually like <laughs> you don't you don't no matter and so yeah. Um, don't even try. Just don't try. I'm here. I'm with you. God's with you. Yeah. That's enough. That's good. And because that's what, um, this sort of has to do with this verse we're studying this week, um, that it's the ask, seek, and knock passage Mm -hmm. in the Sermon on the Mount that we're studying this week in Sunday school. And so we see this picture of the Lord saying, like, I want to be known by you, Mm -hmm. and I want you to, to, ask me and to seek me out and to, you know, I'm, I'm there to open the door for you, right? This, mm-hmm. I am a, in some way, a knowable mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. but there's also so much mystery and so much that we can't explain yeah, at the same time. Especially right? like in, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, especially in those moments, like yeah. of, I think of loss and of grief and of, you know, I mean, the things yeah. that really just don't make sense and that I have to believe like breaks God's heart too, you yeah. know? And I mean that like the things that are a product of this like fallen world we live in and this broken, I mean, like, I, I don't think that God's like, get kids, kids should get cancer for sure. Like, that's a great <laughs> idea. And yeah. I don't, that's not the God I believe in, but I do believe in a world where like it is fallen and cells do weird things, you know? And yeah. like, it really sucks. And it's, and it's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible thing. And, and, you know, there's just, there's like broken systems in this world and you know, like I'm not going to try like um, something that I know again, Blaze and I probably have in common that we both see a lot is, and when I, my first year in a happy university, I only worked overnights. And so that can be really hard place to be like how many more teenagers can come in shot 
and with spinal cord injuries, you know, and and you see just these broken systems, these kids who don't have, that's the only way of life they knew, you know, I mean, I would look at boys, my boys age that were like on a Thursday night at 1am on the apartment complex basketball court and got shot. And like, there's, I mean, my kids are not perfect, but there's no universe in which they're like out at 1am, you know, but those boys that they don't know any other world. They don't, that's, I mean, you know, and so there's like this whole like broken system in this broken world. And we're trying to like explain God in it. And it's like, I don't just don't, you know, don't even, don't even try to try and make, try and, you know, somehow like this is, this is, you look at it and it just is heartbreaking. The world is heartbreaking. And, and I can't help but believe that like that, you know, that this is not, this is not the kingdom. And this is not the kingdom of God at all. And, and there's a reason that this world is different from that world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you've seen, um, that was particularly helpful or uniquely helpful in some way? those kinds of interactions that you've had? I think the showing, the, the, the showing up, I mean, and I feel like it's kind of like redundant, but, um, the, the showing up, I mean, I, and, and again, I, I, we all come to everything with our own bias. So I will admit that like maybe cause that's what feels important to me, you know, that I see that as important. So in all fairness, like I won't pretend that, that I'm not coming to it. I mean, like, again, some of you who are like, I don't want a lot of people are like, that sounds terrible. But, um, <laughs> you know, to be able to like, you know, walk into, to like, I mean, I've been with families where I'm like, let's go out to the waiting room. There's some people out there and they walk out there and there's 40 people there, yeah. you know, and just to see them. And it's like, you, you get to share this with them. It's not all on you anymore. Like you aren't carrying yeah. this alone. Look at all of these people who came to carry it with you. Yeah. You know who's real good at that? Those Jehovah's Witnesses. Man, <laughs> those people. I'm like, we can take some notes from them. Like, it'll be 3 o'clock on a Tuesday, and there's like 40 of them. I'm like, do y'all not? Do you have to work? Or, you know, and they're like, we come. We come. That's you know, awesome. they come. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, just yeah. that visual of somebody not being alone and being yeah. able to know that, like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not in this alone. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so... I know we're, um, I'm trying to be more respectful of y'all's time because yeah. I know sometimes I we get out really late. I talk a lot too. So. No, 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 this is all good. Um, <laughs> and we normally try to end with some time of Q&A. So has there been any questions that have come up for you as we've, um, as we've talked? Oh, yeah, and we'll pass the microphone around. Um, oh, yeah, go ahead, David. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you're just curious about the job, right? Like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair too, yeah. Um, so I, like at university, because it's so big, I don't even know how many beds are there, like 900 something, maybe maybe even more like 1,000 now that the new Women's and Children's Hospital is open, but um, we certainly don't get to every death. I have been, I have worked in hospitals where absolutely, we were at every death. I mean, I worked at Mission Trail Hospital, which is down on the south side of town, is 110 beds. It's this beautiful little community hospital, and I, you know, but it's, um, so we, um, sometimes um, the family, like, sometimes the nurse will ask, would you like the chaplain to come in? Family say yes. Sometimes family will say, usually what they say is, I need a priest, and then 
and then I come up there and I'm like, do you really need a priest or am I, and usually I'm okay, but sometimes they need a priest and we'll call and find one. And, um, or sometimes a family is really grieving a lot and the nurse will call and be like, can you come up here please? <laughs> because they're uncomfortable or they're just like, it's getting to be a lot up here. And, you know, and so we will just, we will just come up there, you know, so it's, it's sort of different. I mean, if it's, um, ideally somebody that like, if we, if we've done our good work, like maybe we've followed them for a while, it isn't like a sudden loss. They might've been there for, you know, for days or weeks. And so we've kind of walked alongside the family up into that point. So. That's awesome. Just depends. That's what um, I was just talking to our executive pastor about this, that I sometimes, most of the times I don't, but occasionally I wish that Baptists had like clerical callers or some sort of like, <laughs> yeah, like signifier mm-hmm. of clergy because like I don't. Yeah, right. Look, so when I'm going into a hospital and I'm like, no, really, I'm, I'm the I pastor here. I'm I can, clergy, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was wanting. Um, but, you know, this, having because that's what you've had that experience too of i want a priest but mm-hmm. what i really want yes right. is someone that can help us walk through mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and understand my world yeah being, right and that's just the language that they know yeah. you know right like that like yeah. that's the word that they know and so you yeah. know we try and respond and, and sometimes it is a no like no actually i need somebody to come do sacrament but often yeah. it's just like i'm just looking that's the word i know but really i'm just looking for somebody that's yeah. going to come and yeah. be here with us right now so yeah. um that's good any other questions I guess yeah, Brian. procedure-wise, when you're a chap and, you know, somebody's about to pass away, is it, do you see cool. every person or family situation that's going through that, or are they, like, mm-hmm. asked? That's a good question. If, yeah. If awesome. they want to see you, or oh. how, how does that Purpose work? Purpose of grief. I mean, yeah, to me, I don't know, this is, like, not going to answer. I, like, grief is just part of the human experience, you know? It's just sort of part part of, like, what we experience and what life experience and like no one's gonna no one will escape it like absolutely no one will escape it and so um I don't I don't know maybe there is a purpose I'm not sure but it um I certainly have have not spent much time thinking about it but I I um to me it just seems like again like this there's all these things that are part of our human experience and to me grief is just just another just another part of it and so because of that too it's like not something that we need to to shy to shy away from or try and escape like it's just just like joy and and excitement and boredom and anxiety and all of those things it's another part of it and so I think um I do like I do think that there is um I don't know like bad grief to me I think um bad grief is grief you try and avoid or again like grief like handling grief in a way that is harmful is 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 bad and um and and it's also not good to like just avoid it or pretend it's not there and um I think good grief is shared grief I think Mm. good grief is um acknowledged grief and good grief is is yeah spoken acknowledged shared I think grief is a communal experience I think the Bible teaches a lot, a lot about what it is to go through things um, as a community, especially in the in the Old Testament and stuff. How strong they were at going through all kinds of things together. But um, I think, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's all I got for you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, like you were saying, you were use the word acknowledge, and that's what it feels like. The if there is a purpose of acknowledging that something happened Mm -hmm. or that something went Mm -hmm. wrong Mm -hmm. that's significant you know I don't grieve over a lost hair tie because Mm -hmm. that's not going to change my life Mm -hmm. except for the next two seconds until I find a new one right (laughs) I mean that's 
you grieve over something significant, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. that's, that's what it feels like is, okay, there's something significant in my life that is mm -hmm. now uh, different. So mm -hmm. what do you and, think? And your body reacts to that, right? I think that's one of the things that, that like, freaks me out about grief so much is that there's this yeah, visceral right, right. thing that you can't uh -huh. fully control. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and your, your body's sort of acting independently sometimes yeah. in those ways. Um, your body will act worse if you don't feel it, though. Yes. Like, ask a doctor. Like, you know, <laughs> with it, like, you know, if you keep holding all that in and yeah. all that stress, then, then, then your body's going to be real, real mad at you about that yeah. and start doing real crazy things. Yeah. So, but yeah, there is, there is definitely a, there is like, it's like a full, full embodied experience. Like, yeah. again, as, it's, as it should be. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. Any other, Lane? I know that in a lot of families, like a death or something like that brings out a lot of the Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 Someone else said, like, you know, when you said earlier, what do you like to stress or something? Uh huh. That is a stressful time. Yeah. 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 Right. I'm like, well, you're leaving the hospital in three hours, so good luck with that. <laughs> that's when I'm, yeah, like I, I really, I, yeah, that's a yes, 100% yes, 100% yes, that happens, and I, yeah, I get a front row seat to that often, and, and then they leave, and I'm like, glad that's not my job. <laughs> Um, so I really, I don't like, I mean, I feel like my honest answer to that is like, I don't know. And, and again, I'm glad that's not my job because um, I see it and I'm like, this is it all here. It all is here. It all is. And this is not going to be good for this family when they leave. And then, and then I have good boundaries and I, they leave, you know, and I mean, you do cause me to think like, oh shoot, like what if that was like in people that I am supposed to care for longer, like people in my congregation <laughs> or whatever, like, oh, it could happen to them too. Um <laughs> So maybe yeah. I should think about that some more. But I, I honestly, I feel like I don't know what the answer is. I just know, like, when I see it, I'm like, this is going to be a problem. And, um, I, you know, like, I hope that they can find the resources that they need, that they're surrounded by the people that they need, that they... Um, that they find healthy ways to unleash it. I mean, occasionally I've had, like, I can think of one moment where, like, literally this... this um, and I can't remember the whole situation. I think that like there had been some gun violence issue, and it and a the older brother had just gotten out of jail, prison or jail. I'm not sure which one, but one of those institutions. And um, then like had only been released for very not very long time. And then like his little brother got shot, and he was like ready to get back out there. And I it was also one of those moments of like looking at myself, like how am I walking the halls of the hospital at 2 a.m. with this man? Like maybe don't go kill somebody. <laughs> like yeah, let's you know. And but one of the things that I did in that moment, I can remember, like it was one was doing something physical. I was like, let's come off, let's go walk, let's go walk. And so we went walking and. But really well. talking to him about like a lot of families, I, like, legitimizing his anger, like of like course you're mad about, like yeah, this is terrible. Yes, you're mad. Um, and um, and, and really we, we he was allowed us to like process and talk about like what are the consequences going to be? 
of if you go and try and take revenge in this situation. Like, let's think through that because maybe you didn't think through that the first time. That is a stressful time. So let's think about this. And like, I I just saw how you were with your mom and how much you love your mom and how proud you're, like, how happy your mom is that you're not in jail anymore. And I know you don't want to end up that back, you know, up that way with her again. Or not it if that's the right thing to do, you know. And so I don't know. That probably still doesn't answer your question. But I mean, I think that there are um, just like hoping that they have the tools, uh, hoping that they have people in their life that will like see what it is and 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 kind of talk about people like people don't want. That's the other thing. Like people don't want to talk about grief. They also don't want to talk about anger. They like and so just kind of giving permission, like giving people like, yeah, you're really angry right now, and you know, like what's going to help with that. Um, I just went around it. Sorry, man. <laughs> All I know is every time I see it, I'm like, I'm just really glad it's not my problem. <laughs> well, that's why, too, I feel like on the opposite side of that is people that are, like, underreacting to grief uh-huh. or just not choosing to grieve at all um, and knowing that, oh, that, you yeah. know, however long yeah, down the road it takes. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe it's finding a different path in to, mm-hmm. you really need to grieve right now. You know, that's not always going to be helpful. Right, but right. Um, creating some sort of space yeah. where they can uh-huh. express something. Um, because I think that's what is so yeah. scary. Is and so, Yeah, people will be like, I, I, don't, like I, I don't know why I'm not crying. Or I know, or like they feel bad for not crying. Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. You're not feeling it right now. Like, that's okay. I was like, but you will at some point. Yeah. And all I'm going to tell you to do and ask you to do is to feel it whenever you do, you know, yeah. just like feel it then. But yeah. it, it's okay that you're not feeling it right now. And like, you yeah. know, you kind of go into the, all these modes. And some people are like, no, I've got like, yeah. there's work to be done. And there's funerals to plan. Or there's, you know, yeah. you know all of that kind of thing. And we mm-hmm. all fall into our roles and, um, you know, just yeah. telling people like, it's okay that you don't right now, but you will. Yeah. And I'm here for you whenever you do, or, you know, yeah. make sure that you t- keep yourself space to feel it whenever you do, even if yeah. it isn't right now. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, it's like your guard is, di- yeah. yeah. So it'll find its way out. Mm-hmm. You get to choose it, mm-hmm. you get to choose it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, when I was going through that season, I was, it wasn't until I went to grief share that I mm-hmm. realized all of the, you talked about physiological, mm-hmm. all of the things that are like completely normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one, I think that I, I do wonder, like, did you feel when you went through that? I'm going to punch one question back to you and then we'll talk. But did it feel validating to you? Like whenever you were like, oh, 
like this kind of like explains, <laughs> you know, like now I, like I, like, I mean, hopefully you didn't get in a car wreck or lose your job, but like feel, realizing like, oh, like some of these yeah. things that I've been feeling feel a little bit more normalized. Yeah. No one can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. This, in a way, it was like, well, that's helpful, but not helpful. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. And I, I, I mean, I don't. I'm not certainly not like a health practitioner or anything. So I, I'm there. There. I'm. I also feel like there's probably like a thousand things that we could say that is that how um, it's going to so impact you, and a lot of that's just going to depend on sort of who you are and like um, your kind of on that grief physiology, yeah, and how like it. kind of things that um, I mean, I think that there are people that like after, will always feel it in their gut, you know, and it's like significant grief, like um, why we have irritable bowel syndrome, you know, because like somebody was really stressed yeah, and they didn't deal with that stress, and now like their gut is like I feel it, where other people are like, no, it's migraine or no, you know, like, and so I don't. I would, I would and say usually that probably that's there's not, stress like, you don't there's more answers than there ever could way. be about how your body so, is going to, going yeah. to take so it on. So it'll find its and, way out. Um, you get to choose it or it will, will choose it. Um, but um, but I think my question it goes, is, when I was going through that For me, season, it's about, like, and for me personally, I, was, I mean, this, like, just, it like, wasn't like, until like I went to my own, that I realized myself, like, how I deal with things, like, being self-aware. And so, like, one thing... That happened. That has helped me. That I have um, no idea about. about like I read in, no? in the class they yeah. talk about. Okay, when you're so I'm a seven, and when sevens are in stress, they go to unhealthy accidents. ones. They're more likely to lose And so their an job. unhealthy one is somebody who's going to be like and very, really very controlling. To me. So and so I and I think uh, that like, that, like so when I get, I find myself like getting mad at like my family because like this isn't lined up the right way, and you know I'm like, oh, you're not in a good place, Jenny. Like you need to like dial back. And so I feel like that that is also like what it. Manifest you will have for me, like if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm in a stressful situation and even, I wouldn't even say like, I'm not dealing with my grief, like just because like I'm in a, in the midst of a loss or something that I know for me, like it manifests in ways that look like anxiety and control. And then like, like I know where I feel that in my body. And I think that it's going to be different for everybody, you know? And so, you know, if for you, it is like, you know, you think about car accidents, but it's like, you know, this like loss of focus and you're, you've got all this brain fog. It, and, it was, but like, I was angry at the time. They might not have that at all. That. They might actually be hyper-focused um, whenever they're the in a very stressful is, time. It was or very isolating so, because you end um, up experiencing does, all of these yeah, other so I, things I mean, I feel, again, of kind of like an answer, non-answer there for you. <laughs> but I, I think there's probably a, yeah, uh, so many ways our body is going to no take it on. And I think like that, no I think the more we know ourselves so too, like that, this, you know, it was like that well, we know helpful, what our defaults helpful, are in our bodies you know? and so. like to listening to that and, and recognizing that and honoring that and being like, okay, I, I hear you gut, like something's going on and I need to, I need to deal with it. That it's probably not just like, I'm, got a stomach bug like there you know sometimes it is that like I ate bad chicken or something but a lot of times it's like what's what am I not dealing with right now or what what is are there healthy ways for me to deal with it so that way maybe my body doesn't feel like it needs to take it on because I think that is a lot of it like our body's like you're not dealing with it so I'm going to just take it on and I'm going to hold it in really uncomfortable and bad ways you know and 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 honoring your body my 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 personal therapist would like he's very into like 
well, you need to ask your stomach what it needs, you know, or whatever. And so, like, he does kind of do this, but there is this sort of therapeutic of, like, stopping and being like, what do you need from me right now, body? Like, I hear you, and you're, you're, you're real angry at me, and, and I'm feeling it in my joints or in my bones or in my muscles, and, like, how can I honor you right now? And kind of sitting, sitting with that, and I think there's something powerful in, in kind of slowing down enough and, and allowing yourself to, to listen to your body some and acknowledge it and, and, um, Thank it for getting it through you. You know, I'm sorry I've been so hard to you. I'm dealing with a lot right now. I've, you know, had this big loss and I know I've not cared for you and thank you for getting it through me. I mean, again, it's all hooky and that's very much like my therapist, but it's been very, very helpful for me to try and have that kind of relationship with my body because we absolutely will carry it and feel it in ways that feel awful and terrible and have bad, like, like have negative impacts for you know, for months or years to come. Yeah. So, and that's what we, Laura, we've talked about this too, is, um, like, like you said, some people it's in their gut. Um, whenever, even if it's not a loss, but just stress in general. Right. Um, mine is always in my neck. Right. And so, um, and I think we've talked about, you know, maybe that's your job, maybe that's something else. Right. But there's this part of your body that, um, kind of locks up on you. Um, and I've noticed, like the last couple of weeks, I feel like a 90 year old, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. literally walking my back hurt, even though I didn't do anything to cause my back mm-hmm. to hurt. Right. But because yeah. of the way that Doing I've, you know, my body has stored some of that information. I'm like, why does my knee hurt? Why does my, you know, and I feel like I'm walking around more fragile for some reason. Right. And there's not like a real explanation for that other than regardless of how I'm going to feel in my mind, my body is going to feel these things, right? And we've, we've talked about that before, but that's, um, it, it's, I've gotten better at recognizing, oh, it's probably because there's some unprocessed things here that we need to work through, you yeah. know? Um, not just <laughs> taking a bunch of Advil and hoping that that helps, <laughs> right. you know? That's, um, there are some, once we know our, our physical selves better, mm-hmm. that helps, but... Yeah. And I think, like, our physical selves, are, like, whether it's too much stress or too much grief or too much, too much, too much, like, it's, I think it tends to manifest in yeah. similar ways within our body. Yeah. One other, like, one little quip, another yeah. therapist quip is he always tells me, like, your mind can lie to you, but your body can't. Mm. And so your mind can tell you all kinds of things. That, I'm fine, I'm fine, and your body doesn't, your body doesn't have the ability to lie to you. Like, it does not, doesn't function the same way as your mind, and so your body will always yeah. tell you the truth because yeah. it doesn't know how to lie. But your mind sure can convince you of all kinds of things. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Any other? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, right. Please, you probably have some good answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that is good. I mean, it's easiest as a chaplain. Like, that's the easiest way. Yeah, because they're going to, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're going to leave. And I yeah. likely in this large city will never see them ever, ever, ever again. Um, and so it's, um, it's, it makes it really easy to step, emotionally to step into someone's grief. It feels hard in the moment, and then, and then they're gone. Um, um, and then I think I think for for me like for for a friend it's it's easier because the the you can the boundaries are you know certainly like you can move into that person's life in healthy way like where I hmm. like as a pastor to me that feels like the hardest because it's like yeah. you want these are people you're going to be walking with for a while but they're also like there's got to be some sort of boundary there and um and so I think any sort of relationship even I know you guys aren't pastors but like any sort of relationship like maybe it's a co-worker any sort of relationship where there's maybe like a bit of a hierarchy and just to follow those up are on always, that those can like, be the trickiest because like, like I know there should be some boundaries too. here like and places I feel that like I shouldn't step into their um, lives um, I, but I also I want to like, be there for them, and I also want to support uh, them and, and be there with them. Whereas friends, I feel like, especially if it's a good friend and it's somebody we know, mind. hopefully we know them well the, enough to know that, like, if you didn't the have last a brain, thing they want is for me to be at their knee. house right now, or the what you but know, or the, the, the friend that, that you know, you know, you can trust to say like, get out of here. I don't want to do the friend that's going to be honest with you, and you say, do you want to laugh tonight or you want to cry tonight? Like, what are we going to do? What are we up for tonight? You know, do we want to talk about the thing, or do you want a night where we're not going to talk about that thing? And so I think with you can't feel with friends way, it's it's a little bit easier because we know them better because we're allowed to be in that space um, so and in good and healthy ways a little like bit more okay but it is harder with those people that you care about and and you want to be there for them but they're expect it they're not your friend really they're they're i mean you're friendly maybe and you still want to be be there with them that those can be trickier to to navigate um and also like always also you also always have to be mindful of kind of where you are and like where what you're able to but then, handle at that so point in your life and I, when you know like, like is this a place in time in my life where I really have the emotional bandwidth to to really invest in this or not because you're not going to be a good friend for them if you're not like really in a good place head most yourself when, and so like sometimes being a good friend means like, like not this, like, stepping into that because you're like I I will just I'm going to make it worse because I'm just a mess right now and you know or if you feel like anything and you feel like if I go in there they're going to feel like they're going to have to like come for me because I'm dealing with all this stuff and like just don't go in there at that point like just be a good friend and stay away because they, you know, they need you to be in a place, I think, where you can, where you can um, step into that. Um, but, I, I mean, there's not, I mean, it, it's, tra it's a tricky thing to navigate. And I think, again, those kind of those middle ground spaces are a little bit harder to navigate when you're trying to, to be a good friend, but it's not really like a friend you're intimate with. And, um, and you know, I think oh, communication is always good, you know, and be like, hey, I'm, I really want to be here for you and I see you. And, but, but I know that, like, I might not do it well, and I, I want you to know that you can be honest with me when I'm not doing it well, and you can, you know, tell me those things and um, yeah, try and help out in that way. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. what I've found with folks is, you know, there's all these dynamics that we're thinking about mm -hmm. in our minds that we're not saying out loud, and I've noticed lately 
I don't know what has caused it, but maybe it's just the older I get, the more uninhibited. I, I just am willing yeah. to say what I think, but... Um, it's beautiful. I love it. I, I know. It's like my favorite part of getting old. <laughs> I know. Um, to say, to, you know, to not just think that, oh, these are the dynamics at play here, but mm-hmm. to say, you know, there's a possibility that I could get in this with you and mm-hmm. then, you know, things can get messy. And then... Or, you know, being willing to just say what yeah, the situation absolutely, is. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It kind of takes the stigma or yeah. the, um, I don't know, the beating around the bushness yeah. about it out, right? Yeah. And it makes them more comfortable because when people have done that with me, I'm like, oh, okay, we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, we're both right. aware that uh-huh. there's these dynamics here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting yeah, it. And great. part of that is getting it out in the light, like mm-hmm. Scripture says, right? There's mm-hmm. this honesty um, about that, but yeah, I think that is the that's always the question of uh, you because it feels like you're going to be in the long haul with somebody mm-hmm. when you're going to say, Okay, I'm going to walk through this grief with you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to end up like Job's friend, where a weekend you're like, Never mind, not over it yet. No, okay, you know, um, yeah, never, I regret this, right? And you want to backpedal out of it, but um, I feel like being honest about it the whole time helps them be more I mean, honest, I think, yeah, like, know? even being, like, like, I really want to be here for you, and this is a tough situation, but I'm going to tell you, like, I'm not really sure how we're going to navigate this, but, like, yeah. and, I, and I'm also going to tell you, like, I'll, I might screw up some, you know, and I might not yeah. do this well, but, like, I, I want you to know that I, that, that I want to be a blessing for you in this. I yeah. want to be a good friend for you in this, and, and, and I see what you're going through, and honestly, I'm just not really 100% sure I'm going to do it well, but, like, can I try? you know, can we, can we try and do this together? Can we talk, you know, can we have a kind of conversation where we can, where we can talk about it? And just naming those things I think is so powerful, even if it's just like, this is awkward. Let's just, let's just bring that out there. This feels really awkward right now. And this feels really hard to navigate right now. And naming it is really powerful. Bringing it to the light. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Any other final thoughts before we get going or questions? Y'all have anything? Okay, very good. Well, um, can we thank Jenny one more time for... Yeah, thank you all. Um, Sorry, I know I went long.